His name is Stetson Plank. Uh, by the way, if, um, if you would like a prayer card uh, for the Plank family, uh, I would encourage you to get one of these so you can put this on your refrigerator because you're going to want to remember this family. Uh, my wife, Julie, straight back from me in the white awning and the green trim, she has a stack of them. You go back there and get one from her. We'll also have some at the church if we, ha if we have any left over from today. But I want to encourage you to get that. Uh, now, it's interesting. I just want to share this little quick story about how I got to meet Stetson. Um, I was working at the church one night late, and I got an email from him. I, kn I didn't know him. I never heard from him before. And, and I got this email. He said, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'm on the field in Italy. Uh, it's a hard field. I've got a plan. I'm trying to do some things. I need some help. And uh, it just it touched my heart because he's on the field already. He's doing the work. He's accomplishing what God has, has commissioned him to do, which is to share the gospel in a place like Italy. And I, I won't go into depth, but just imagine uh, that country, what it stands for today, and what he was trying to accomplish in that country. And so I wrote him back. I said, uh, let me see what I can do. And I, so I, I started, I don't normally do this on a regular basis, but I, I just kind of wanted to check out his background find out what he is. Is he like-minded? Because I, I, I don't know from his email if we're like-minded. He could have been doing anything. As it turns out, uh, HBF followed a very similar path that his church did, connected all the way back to the church that sent HBF out, uh, Kansas City Baptist Temple. Not that they sent him, not that they sent his pastor, but they helped prepare his pastor, his pastor's pastor, is actually the way I understand the story, his pastor's pastor who sent the p church out that sent out Stetson, uh, we're like-minded from the beginning, from doctrine, discipleship, evangelism, all of those things, we are like-minded. And I said, Stetson, I'll be glad to help you any way I can. And so we have been over the last several years helping him uh, publish uh, material in, in Italian, uh, get Bibles uh, so he can use those to, to, to have Bible study with, with people. And uh, so the Bible Publishing Ministry has supported him multiple times. HBF has supported him multiple times. And I just wanted to take in time and just let you know that's how things work. And I knew from that moment that God and, and HBF's heart was knit with, with Stetson and his family. I do want to mention, uh, he may not mention, but I'm going to mention it. His wife is ill. She, she was, she's at the hotel where they stayed last night. She's not feeling well. Please pray for her. Their daughter is with her to take care of her mom. Uh, uh, their son is here, though, and so we're just thankful for that. And uh, so I want to invite Stetson to come and share his share his ministry, and then preach the word. He's doing in our our ministry, and what brought us to this point. Get situated. Um, my name's Stetson Plank, and I uh, talk a little bit about. Uh, how we're here, what brought us, what brought us here. Um, if you could ask the Lord any question, what would it be? If, if, if the Lord Jesus Christ was sitting across from you and you had a cup of coffee and, and you, you wanted to, uh, um, if you could ask the Lord any personal question, what would you ask him? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, a doctrinal question like uh, any doctrinal question you might think of or uh, curiosity like what the forbidden fruit tasted like. I'm talking if you could ask the Lord any single question, what would you ask him? Because I had a question back in about December 
Can you hear me okay? Okay. I had a question back in December that I wanted to ask the Lord, and he gave me a response. Before we get to that part, though, I'd like to go back to uh, us being on the mission field in Italy. Uh, We visited, we started out in the city of Rome, and I prayed about where the Lord would have us begin our ministry. We uh, learned the language in Rome, and uh, I began to pray, and we began to visit different communities, see where God might have us start a church. And one day we were in the northern city of Verona, and uh, walking through the city, the ancient part of the city at night, and and there's a medieval wall that surrounds the old part of the city. And uh, hold on here. There's a medieval wall that surrounds the old part of the city. And, of course, Verona is the uh, location of um, Romeo and Juliet. And there was a plaque on the wall. There's a plaque on the wall from a quote from that, um, that play that said, There is no world outside of Verona wall. And I looked at my wife and I said, uh, that's, you know, we just talked about how that was interesting. And we went back to the bed and breakfast and I began to pray if that's where the Lord would have us begin our work in the city of Verona. Now, Verona is not mentioned in the Word of God. And I wanted to be directed by the voice of the Lord. And uh, so I got alone with the Lord and began to pray with the thought of Verona on my mind and, and those walls. And, and uh, I opened up my Bible to the book of Psalms, and I said, Lord, I just want peace. That was what was on my heart. I wanted peace to know if that's where the Lord would have us begin. And I opened up to Psalm 120, and I prayed. I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to show me, but I pray, God, that you would show me and give me peace. This is where you'd have a start. And I got nothing, and I read Psalm 121. Again, I was praying for peace. Got to Psalm 122 and down to verse 7, and I read, Peace be within thy wall." Now, I know the context is the city of Jerusalem, but God spoke. Do you believe God speaks through his word? Amen. God spoke through his word that uh, he wanted us, and he gave me the peace through that verse that we were to start in the city of Verona. And that's what we did. We, we handed out uh, a lot of gospel tracts, material. We appreciate your church's support in, in enabling us to get gospel tracts out and Bibles. Uh, this is a gospel tract that I wrote entitled Jesu uh, Lunica Via, which means is Jesus the only way. And uh, we've, we've passed these out throughout the city um, on three different occasions, the entire city. It takes years to do that. And uh, so we've saturated the city with the gospel. We saw souls saved and discipled and uh, was at the point of beginning a church in the year 2020. Uh, We knelt in prayer to pray in the new year like we always do, and I I prayed, and I said, uh, uh, you know, got up, and I told my family, I said, I I believe that this year, this year is going to be a a big year. Boy, did I ever uh, not realize what 2020 had in store, but uh, one of those things was that God took us off the field and brought us back to the States, and over the course of time, I began to quite, I do not doubt it. I know that I was following the Lord's will, but back in December, January time frame, I began to pray, and I I began to humbly ask the Lord, why? God, why did you take us from Verona? And I was sitting, having a cup of coffee, asking the Lord that question. Do you have questions for the Lord? Do you have some personal question, God, why did this happen, or what did you mean by this? 
He'll speak to you. And he spoke to me while reading the word of God. And as I was asking him why, why did you take us from Italy? Why did you bring us back? I was reading Philemon and got down to verse 15. And the context, of course, is the runaway slave Onesimus. And Paul is writing to Philemon. And in the verse 15, Paul writes, For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Stetson, been asking why you departed Italy just for a season that they might receive you forever and God spoke to me through his book and and so uh, God has accomplished a lot in bringing us back things that I would never have imagined uh, both um, a ministry here within our family also the Italians that are await our return in Italy and so I just want to encourage you to do this this morning whatever might be troubling your heart God is well aware, and he will speak to you through his book. Amen. And uh, so I just want to encourage you with that, that this word, God speaks, God uses it, and we can trust it. Amen. So uh, we'll begin in Romans chapter 7. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans, Romans chapter 7. You know, one of the most difficult things... One of the most difficult things in learning a foreign language is figures of speech because uh, the actual meaning is not a literal translation. Okay. All right. How's this? Can you, can you hear me? All right. Very good. So learning a foreign language, the most difficult thing is figures of speech uh, because the actual meaning is not a literal translation. For example, in Italian, if I say conosco i miei poli, it literally means I know my chickens. But what it actually means is to know something like the back of your hand. The actual translation is not a literal translation. Another expression is "se come prezzemolo," which means you're like parsley. Now, the actual meaning is like if you see somebody, if they're popping up everywhere. Uh, I remember seeing a, a friend at the lake, and then the next day I saw him at a cafe, and then that evening I saw him at uh, the grocery store. And I said, "Se come il prezzemolo," you know, I, I see you everywhere. So the meaning is not a literal translation. There's another expression uh, that goes um, in boca al lupo, which literally says "in the mouth of the wolf." And what it means is to say good luck to someone. Uh, like we might say, "Break a leg." In Italian, you say "in boca al lupo," which means. In the mouth of the wolf. Say, see if you say that with me. In boca al lupo. In boca al lupo. In the mouth of the wolf, or, or good luck. And the response is crepi, which means let the wolf die or kill the wolf. So if you want to wish someone good luck in Italian, you say in boca al lupo. And then the response of the person is crepi. In the mouth of the wolf. 
kill the wolf. In the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf. Rather than the intended meaning of good luck, I would like to consider those literal words this morning as we look at Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 14. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7 and verse 14. In the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf. I thought of that phrase as I've read this passage of Scripture. Uh, There's a wolf inside each one of us. There's a wolf inside each one of us. Uh, A wolf as a predator is often associated with danger and destruction and fables and literature. Uh, Wolves have been portrayed as dangerous and deceitful. And so I'd like us to read this morning about a wolf that each one of us has within. A dangerous, destructive, deceitful force that every son of Adam possesses. So if you'll look in Romans chapter 7 with me, and we'll begin reading in verse 14. The Bible says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do I allow not, for what I would that do I not, but what I hate that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. There's that wolf. There's that wolf you have inside, sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There's the wolf in the mouth of the wolf. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. There's the wolf. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. There's the wolf. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring, against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. There's the wolf. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. In the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf. If you'll bow with me with prayer this morning. Father, I'm so thankful, God, that as much as we change, you do not change. Lord, that as much as we fail, you never fail. God, I'm so thankful, Lord, that we have victory in Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful, God, that you are with us this morning. And I pray, Father, that you would bless me as I preach. Fill me with the Holy Spirit of God. Enable me, Lord, uh, not to have any distraction, God, but uh, that you would meet with us this morning. And, God, that you would encourage us and, and 
Help us in our walk with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In the mouth of the wolves, kill the wolves. Each one of us has a destructive, deceitful force within us, a sin nature. Does this mask distract you or disturb you? How about this mask? You see, we all, we all wear a mask, do we not? We all try to cover up that dark inner part of who we are, that sinful nature. But it's within us. The prophet Jeremiah wrote, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We're in the mouth of the wolf. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7, if you'll look back in Romans uh, chapter 7, verse 18, we see again, In me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We're in the mouth of the wolf, the flesh, the old nature, this wolf, this sinful nature within us is intertwined with our mind, our will, and our emotions and reveals itself in our life as we yield to our sinful nature, as we yield to the wolf. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, just flip over a page, Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We're in the mouth of the wolf. Paul had a lot to say about this wolf. In fact, one of the main themes that you find in any one of Paul's letters is this battle between the old nature, this wolf within us, and the new nature. Paul described it as the flesh. Now, you are a trinity of sorts. You are a body, a soul, and a spirit. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, that spirit is dead in the sense that you cannot commune with God. That communion with God is broken. That's why Jesus Christ said, ye must be born again. Now, with this being a trinity of body, soul, spirit, Paul describes the body as flesh. And uh, it's a, the physical component, but being unsaved, uh, the soul resists the spiritual authority of the spirit and is enslaved to the body and its passions, that wolf. You ask, why do I do what I do? How could I sin? Paul writes here, uh, as a saved man, that he continues this battle with the wolf. He says, look, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I do want to do, I do not do. Why is it? Because there's a wolf in Boca Lupo, in the mouth of the wolf. That's why Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Ye must be born again. And that flesh is exceedingly strong 
in sinning and following selfish desires. It's extremely weak towards the things of God. The flesh, that old nature, that sin nature is corrupt beyond repair. It's described also as the natural man. It's the default of who we are as human beings. No one needs to teach you how to sin, right? We do not teach our children to tell lies. Where does that come from? From within, from that wolf within. I remember having a conversation with a lady in uh, Italy, and she just she said, no, she's not a sinner. And uh, we got discussing things, and she talked about her kids, and she said, uh, by the way, why, why do my kids just seem like they were born rebels? And I said, well, because they have a sin nature. No one has to teach their children to be disrespectful. No one has to teach their children to disobey. It's within each one of us, this rebel, this spirit of disobedience. It's the flesh. It's the old nature. It's this wolf that Paul describes in Romans chapter 7. And we're in the mouth of the wolf. It's dangerous. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Let's, let's just take a quick look at the nature of this wolf a little bit. And then we'll talk about how to defeat it. Because this is a battle that we all must face. Uh, this wolf does not grow long in the tooth. I don't care what age you are as a Christian, whether you've just been born again, whether you just received Christ as your Savior, or you have received Christ as your Savior as a, as a child, and you've grown up and following the things of the Lord until death, and we're separated from this body of flesh, this nature, this sinful nature is within us, and we have to face the fact that we're in the mouth of the wolf. How do we get victory over it? Paul describes and tells us how we get that victory, but uh, let's begin in Galatians chapter 5 and take a glimpse of how this wolf reveals himself. Galatians chapter 5, Paul categorizes sin as our Lord Jesus Christ did. He lists different sins. And uh, we find in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, a list of these sins. Uh, he says in Galatians, uh, Galatians 5, verse 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifest. This sinful nature, this old nature, this natural man, this wolf with inside of us is manifest. It reveals itself. How? In three groups of sins here. Number one is sexual sin. He begins with adultery. Sexual thoughts or acts towards or with someone other than your spouse. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Whoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. It's not just the action. God sees your heart. God sees your heart. As, as we read in Jeremiah this morning, our heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Within, out of the heart comes this adultery. Uh, he says fornication, sexual acts before marriage, uncleanness. This would be evil or impure thoughts, uh, which can include things like dirty jokes and pornography. Lasciviousness, stirring up lustful desires. Uh, things that cannot be satisfied within the bounds that God has established. So Paul lists 
sexual sins. Why, why are these sins considered sin? Do you ever wonder what makes a sin a sin? Because as we look at these things, I've heard so many times that people say, hey, that's just natural. That's human nature. What makes a sin a sin? If you think of God, if you think of the Lord as the standard, the absolute standard, any departure from that standard, even a fraction, is a sin. God is pure. He's absolute purity. And so any sin, any anything apart from that purity, any immorality, any uh, dirty thought or unclean thought is a departure from the purity of God, and it's a sin. God is absolute truth. Any departure from absolute truth, even a white lie, is a sin. Why? Because God is the absolute standard that we measure all things by. And Paul says, hey, look, there's a group of things that this wolf within, how it manifests itself. And one, it manifests itself in sexual sins, including things that go on in the heart that only God sees. And believe us, this morning He does see it. So sexual sins, and then he gets into spiritual sins. Verse 20, idolatry. That's putting anything before God or thinking wrongly about God. It's choosing a God that pleases us, making a God out of our own image. He gets into witchcraft. That can include things like Ouija boards and tarot cards and seances and astrology or drug use, things that will put us in a, a passive state a desire to be spiritual apart from God. And then he gets into social sins there in verse 20. Hatred. This includes things like bitterness and contempt or racism. In the mouth of the wolf. Strikes at the demand that God gives that we forgive and love one another. Variance or quarreling or always trying to prove that we're right. Emulations or jealousy. Uh, Someone has something that we think we should have. It springs from a lack of ungratitude. He says wrath or violent anger, a a temper, striking out when something threatens our self-interest, strife or self-seeking rivalry, putting others down, sedition, seeking to divide, trying to split a church or seeking uh, things for our own interest, heresies, unbiblical teachings, envyings, not being content, murders, a human heart is full of hatred, drunkenness, using alcohol as an artificial means of escape, reveling or sensual escapism. You find all of these lists in the Bible. You can go to Mark chapter 7. You can go back to Romans chapter 1, and, and you find that they're all repeated, showing that we all, every one of us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned and come short of that standard of God. Why? Because we have this wolf within us. We have this sinful nature that we all have to deal with. This sinful, dangerous, deceitful nature. So how do we get victory over it? Well, first let's start with the negative before we get into the positive. Number one, don't ignore it. Don't ignore the wolf. If you will, turn with me in uh, your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Don't ignore the wolf. Don't ignore it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. The Bible says, Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity some thoughts to the obedience of Christ. Is that what it says? Let me read it again. I do wear glasses, so maybe I got that wrong. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why do we stress that? We have to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Why? Because our minds very rarely wander to Calvary. Our minds very rarely wander to the things that please God. Where does your mind wander to when you let it go? Would you be happy to share that this morning? I know I wouldn't. Why is that? And why can I say that with confidence that neither would you like to share it? Because we all have a wolf inside of us. And we cannot, we cannot ignore it in the mouth of the wolf. Satan's greatest ally is within you. This old sinful nature. Uh, the Lord said in, uh, or, uh, through Peter in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to use that old nature. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 and 29 says, Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? So then he that goeth to his neighbor's wife, whosoever toucheth her, shall not be innocent. The sinful nature, we feed it, we flame it. It might be a little spark, we think. But it turns into a roaring blaze that can destroy your life. It can destroy your marriage. It can destroy your testimony. It can destroy your usefulness. It can destroy your church. And it's destroying this country. Yielding to this wolf, yielding to this sinful nature. We can't be ignorant of it. The wise man wrote in Proverbs chapter 7, we won't read it because of time, but Proverbs 7 verses 6 through 23 the wise man described a simple young man or an ignorant young man, and I don't mean that in an um, offensive way, just um, one that was ignoring sin. And this young man, this simple man, listens to a prostitute, and you can read it for yourself, it ends up destroying his life. It's easier to live in ignorance, is it not? It's a whole lot easier not to think about the wolf, the darker parts of our nature, to ignore it. I've heard some that follow into the New Age line of thinking talking about man's better angels. That's not biblical. What's biblical is you're in the mouth of the wolf. It's dangerous. It's deceitful. And this sinful nature wants to destroy you and your effectiveness for the cause of Christ. We can't afford to be ignorant of it. We can't ignore the wolf. 
We can't ignore the wolf. Don't ignore the wolf. Don't feed the wolf. Don't feed the wolf. You're in the mouth of the wolf. Look in Romans chapter 13 and verse 14. Romans 13 and verse 14 says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Make not provision. I don't believe in changing the word of God one iota. But to put that in um, words that go along with this sermon, don't feed the wolf. Don't feed the wolf. Make not provision for the flesh. Don't feed the wolf. Don't feed the old nature. Make provision for something. You make a place for it to happen. You provide means for it to happen. Listen, uh, if you have a problem with pornography, then put filters on your Internet. Don't be on your phone alone. If that's an issue that you have. Don't feed that sin. Don't feed it. Sin never satisfies. It never fulfills. Enough is never enough. We grow on the basis of the food we eat, and that, that applies spiritually as well. Don't feed the wolf. Don't ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't tempt it. Don't tempt the wolf. Don't tempt the wolf. You're in the mouth of the wolf this morning. John Owen, the great Puritan writer, wrote, Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Uh, we can't flirt with sin like Samson did. If you look, and we won't go there uh, for the whole chapter, but Judges chapter 16, the Philistines wanted a lady named Delilah to find out the secret of Samson's strength. And uh, he was in the grip of passion. He was unable to act rationally. And so she kept coming to him and tempting him and pleading with him. And little by little, he would... He would Give her closer and closer to the truth of um, the bonds that, that would be placed upon him uh, that would eventually lead to discovering his source of strength, which was his vow to God as a Nazarite, which meant he didn't cut his hair. Samson thought that he could have, the most, uh, have enough moral strength to say no to the temptress. Hey, you, you can't toy with danger. Amen? You can't toy with it. You can't toy with it. You can't try to prove how strong you are. Don't tempt the wolf. A lot of people, a lot of people like to see, if this is sin, they like to see how close to the edge they can get. To prove how strong that, that I am. I just, I, I just want to see that I have victory over this sin. I'll get up real close, and then I'll say no to it. I just want to show that I've got victory. Don't tempt the wolf. Don't tempt the wolf. That's what Samson thought he could do. How did that work out for Samson? Can't ignore the wolf. Don't ignore the wolf. Don't feed the wolf. Don't feed it. Don't tempt it. Don't try to tame it. Look in Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 7 and 8. Romans 8, verses 7 and 8, 7 and 8 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity, we've read this earlier, is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It can't be tamed. 
Let me read that again. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. You cannot tame the old nature. You cannot tame the sin within. You cannot tame this wolf. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. The sin nature cannot be tamed. The flesh is self-centered and not God-centered. It hates God. Sin acts as if God doesn't exist. You realize every time we sin, that in practice we're acting like an atheist. Truly. Because in that moment of sin, if we truly, truly was living like God is omniscient, that he knows everything. If we truly were living like God is omnipresent, that he is everywhere in that same room with us. If we were truly living that God is holy and he has zero tolerance for sin and God is just and that he will punish sin. If we were truly in the moment thinking those things, we would not sin, would we? But this old nature is so strong, it can't be reasoned with. We can't try to tame it. It's not concerned with your welfare. It's concerned with its own satisfaction. It's not about pleasing you. Look in Romans chapter 7, verse 17 again. It is no more I that do it. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Almost like its own entity. This wolf, this sinful nature within us, it can't be tamed. Some think that if they remove themselves from a situation and and have victory over it, then they'll no longer have a problem with it. But it's kind of like the old parable of the scorpion and the frog. You ever heard that story? The scorpion was wanting to cross a river, and he goes up to a frog, and he says, hey, can I hitch a ride? And the frog says, well, no way. You will get halfway across, and you'll sting me, and we'll, we'll drown. And the scorpion says, well, what sense does that make? Because I would drown too. And the frog says, well, I guess that's right. And so he gives him a passage across the river, and Scorpion's on the frog's back, and halfway across, sure enough, the scorpion stings the frog. And as they're sinking and about to drown, the frog screams out and says, Why did you do that? You've doomed us both. And the scorpion shrugs and says, I couldn't help it. It's just my nature. Now, I mean, there's things wrong with that uh, illustration regarding the free will and that type of thing. But I tell it for this emphasis. The destructive force within you cannot be reasoned with. This sinful nature within you cannot be tamed. It's a destructive force. There's certain things that you cannot tame. You can't tame a great white shark, right? There's not people that have great white sharks as pets. Sharks are a destructive force. It always amuses me when people say that sharks don't attack humans. Uh, they don't have anything against humans. They just think you're a seal. That, that doesn't give me much comfort. I can imagine being out in the ocean swimming and a boat is out there and, and uh, I get attacked by a shark and someone yells out, Don't worry. It's nothing personal. He just thinks you're a seal. That wouldn't help me any. The shark is a destructive force. The wolf is a destructive force. The sin nature within us is a destructive force that cannot 
be reasoned with. It only wants to destroy. So don't ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't tempt it. Don't try to tame it. What's the solution? In the mouth of the wolf, in Boca Lupo, in the mouth of the wolf, kill the wolf. Crepe, kill the wolf. What's the solution? Kill the wolf. Now, just to clarify, this is not, um, if you look in Colossians chapter 2, this is not asceticism, uh, as Paul writes, neglecting of the body. There are some that severely discipline themselves, depriving themselves of food or doing some sort of self-harm to try to prove that they have the old nature under control. I remember in Rome, uh, there was a guy in language school with me. He was a monk. And he was talking about how he lived in, uh, I forget how big it was, but it was very small quarters. He didn't have heat in the wintertime. He didn't have air conditioning in the summertime. They could only eat so much. It was limited. Uh, And he was talking about all of these things that he was depriving himself of because in his mind, those things, by depriving him of those things, was making him more holy or more right with God. You know the problem with that line of thinking? It doesn't matter how much he was depriving himself of. When he went back to that close, uh, small quarters, he took a wolf with him. That sin nature was still within him. We have to kill it. It's not a matter of self-discipline. And I'm not talking about killing in terms of self-harm. We're talking spiritually, not physically. Um, The power of Christ in the life of a believer does more than merely restrain the desires of the flesh. It puts new desires within you. Amen? And so uh, we need to look at the solution, which is Christ. What does it mean to kill the wolf? If you go back with me to Romans chapter 6, look with me in Romans chapter 6. We saw how the sin nature was described as the flesh and the natural man. It's also described as the old man. That's our doctrinal position uh, that we, as we are a new man in Christ Jesus, a new creation. But the old man is your life before you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now look in Romans chapter 6 and verse 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. Now, at salvation, the Holy Spirit puts you in Jesus Christ. You share his life. And in sharing his life, you share his eternal life. Your life goes back to the open tomb, up on the cross, and is nailed there with the Savior. That's why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Present tense. That's why he says here, in, uh, in Romans 6, knowing this, that our old man is, present tense, crucified with him. At salvation, you are cut loose, if you will, from the flesh. Paul gets into that in Colossians chapter 2. The soul is freed and spiritually connected to Christ. How can I illustrate that? Um, you know, back in uh, pioneer days, one of the dangers a pioneer might face out on the open prairie was a prairie fire. Now, what would you do if you was out there in the prairie and you see this wall of fire coming towards you? The wind is carrying the fire towards you. How would you survive? 
Well, I've read one method. I mean, you, you can't outrun it. There's no river to jump into where you're at. How do you survive? One thing I read one time is that with the wind, it's dangerous. Wouldn't want to be in this situation, but with the wind carrying that wall of fire towards you, one thing that some pioneers would do is they would strike flint and start a backfire. And they would start a fire behind them. Here's a wall of fire coming towards them, and the wind would carry the fire that they made and burn up everything behind them. And then they would step into that burnt ground, and that wall of fire would reach and have nothing to feed upon, and it would stop, and they would be saved. That fire that they started had already burnt up everything, and they were standing already on burnt ground. You know what happens when you get saved? The judgment of God that's coming for each one of us was poured out on Jesus Christ like that backfire. When you are in Jesus Christ, it's like standing on that burnt ground. Praise God. The wrath of God cannot touch you. Praise God, the wrath of God was poured out on his son when he hung between heaven and earth on the cross. And Jesus Christ uh, bore all of your sins and the wrath of God was poured out on him. I praise God for that. So we are in Jesus Christ. We're in Jesus Christ. Our sins were nailed to the cross. They were deposited in hell. How do we kill the wolf? We recognize that our sins have already been defeated and taken care of with Jesus Christ. You say, well, I have a problem. I still sin. But God saves you. But God says you are crucified with him. You say, I have a temper still. God says you are crucified with Christ. You battle lust. You say, I have a problem with lust. The Bible says, God says, you are crucified with Christ. God says, my old nature has been nailed to the cross in Christ, so I believe it. You're in the mouth of the wolf. Kill the wolf. Recognize what Jesus Christ has done for you. Recognize the victory that you have in Christ. And by faith, receive it. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. We don't have to understand all the details of it. You don't have to be a theologian, but we just have to believe. Look in Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God says, I am raised to newness of life in Christ, and so I believe it. Now, Paul says also in Romans chapter 8, that's our standing. We're in Christ. We're standing in that backfire area, if you will. The wrath of God was poured out on him. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. But look at Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So what is that dealing with, you say, Stetson? Well, our standing and our state are two different things. Spiritually speaking, you're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Your victory is in Him. Yes, practically, you're in the mouth of the wolf. You have a sin nature. But we appropriate by faith what has already been accomplished through Jesus Christ on a daily basis. That's why Paul said, I die daily. He says to mortify there in Romans 8, 13, 
to kill the deeds of the body. Don't ignore the wolf. Don't try to feed it. Don't tempt it. Don't try to tame it. Kill it. Look in uh, Colossians, and we'll finish up in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. You battle sin. You have a problem with sin. You have a problem getting victory over sin. You've tried a number of ways. Look in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. If you are saved this morning, your life is hid with Christ in God. You're seated at the right hand of the Father spiritually in Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 5. Because of this, because of where you are at spiritually, on this earth you're still in a body of flesh, right? We're body, soul, spirit. Until we're set free from this body, we still have to battle the, the sin nature, the wolf within us. But look in verse, uh, verse 5. Mortify or put to death, kill, kill the wolf. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now, the old nature is crucified. That's true, but it remains lodged in our innermost being because we're still in these bodies of flesh. Now, as far as God is concerned, it's already dead. That's our standing. That's our position. But it still wars against the new nature. That's, that's our practice. That's what we experience on a daily basis. Now, when we actively appropriate the fact that we died in Christ, we died with Christ, we deprive the old nature of its efforts to use our body as the instruments of sin. You struggle with sin? If you're breathing air today, yes, you struggle with sin. We all struggle with sin. Claim the victory by faith. Reckon yourselves, as Paul said, that it's already so. Reckon yourself already dead to sin. Kill the wolf. You're in the mouth of the wolf. Put to death the old nature. When you're struggling with sin, cry out to the Lord and say, I trust that through my union with you, Lord, through my union with Christ, my sins, including this desire, is nailed to the cross. I count myself dead to the old nature, this wolf. Kill the wolf. It, it has no power over me. It has no authority over me. I choose to let my old nature, this wolf, to remain on the cross and die. I know my only victory is through Christ, and I'm trusting him right now for that victory. Give it to me, Lord. Listen, this is not easy. It's not The Christian life is, is not a playground. It's a battleground. And uh, you say, well, Brother Stetson, I don't understand this whole kill the wolf thing, this whole mortify the flesh. Well, let me just ask it in summary. Are you feeding it? First off, are you ignoring it, that it's there? That's dangerous. But are you feeding the old nature? Are you feeding the sinful nature with your life, with your lifestyle, with your thoughts? Are you tempting it? Are you trying to tame it? You're in the mouth of the wolf daily. And you must be active in killing the wolf daily. In the mouth of the wolf, in Boca Lupo, kill the wolf. Now, maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior. Let me just say, I, this message is geared more to those that know Christ as their Savior. But the Bible 
very clearly says that one day we are going to stand before a holy God. And without Christ, you will stand alone in your sin nature before a holy God. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. But you can have all of your sins forgiven. It's like if, if I had a big board here and could write every one of your sins down, when you receive Jesus Christ, when you repent and realize through a change of mind that I am grieving God and I am destined for hell and I want to be saved, I want to be clean, it doesn't matter what is written down when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's like a big eraser has wiped out all of those sins. That's what justification is. And you can be saved today. Once you're saved, that doesn't mean you're perfect. But it means that you now have the power to have victory over sin in your life. You have power to kill the wolf through Christ and what he's done for us. You're in the mouth of the wolf. Kill the wolf of God. Hallelujah, that is a wonderful message, and it would be remiss of me right now just to stop there, because right now the Bible tells us that God is calling all men everywhere to repent. He wants us to act on the information that we've been given. Some of you today, some of us, let me not say you, some of us, right, we know we're born again, as, as Brother Plank just preached about, and we know that we wrestle daily with that wolf, and we struggle, right? Some of us may be uh, trying to tempt that wolf, or others may be feeding the wolf. Uh, we don't want to. We got to understand. We cannot tame that wolf. That was a wonderful, wonderful illustration. So don't ignore it. Don't feed it. Don't tempt it. Don't try to tame it. You got to kill it. But the work's already been done. It's been done on the cross. And of course, those of us that are saved, we reckon with that daily. Daily, we mortify the deeds of the flesh. But if you don't know Jesus today, man, it's like you're pinned down. And you can't get away. And there's no respite. There's no discharge from that war. And today God wants to bring you a victory. Victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I don't want to re-preach everything that's been said. It's been said very well, very very succinctly. What we need to do today is trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, maybe you've come to the place that this message, the first time in your life you realize that, wow, my problem is, is not external. It's not something out there. It is actually the problem resides in me. Jesus already knows that. That's why Jesus came and gave his life on the cross for our sin. He knows that we have a heart condition that needs to be dealt with. You know, someone can look perfectly healthy on the outside and then drop dead of a heart attack. Why? Because inside the heart is corrupt. The Bible tells us that our heart is deceitful. It's desperately wicked. And so God wants to change our heart. And that's how we kill that wolf, is allowing God to give us a heart transplant. It's not physically done. God doesn't open up your chest and put a new physical heart in you. But when you come to that place, when you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he simply gives you a new heart. You say, well, Brian, how does that happen? You've got to call upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says he'll save you. For with the mouth, confession is made into salvation, right? But you believe in the heart. It's simply believing that the finished work of Jesus Christ is enough. That Jesus Christ is who he said he was. That he is the son of God. He lived a sinless life. That's why he's holy. 
Stetson said, said very clearly, God is holy. He's right, and we're all wrong, right? And so God gives us a heart that needs to be, he wants us to understand that we need our hearts changed. And so God sent his son to die on the cross in our place so that we can receive eternal life through Jesus Christ. So Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, and he's alive right now. He sits at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible tells us that if we want to know him in a personal way, all we got to do is call. It's just like if your phone was ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. God uses the Holy Spirit of God to convict us, to tell us, man, that is exactly right. What Stetson is saying is exactly where I'm at. I'm exact, he's, he's hitting the nail on the head. Well, then respond. That's the Holy Ghost telling you you need to respond to his call. And so right now, I'd just like to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts in a moment of prayer as we conclude this time. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and God has been working in your heart and you know that there's a problem on the inside, it's a spiritual condition. You have a wolf within. You have a spiritual heart condition that's killing you. And maybe no one on the outside can see it, but you know this is killing you. God wants to bring you life through the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to bring you life through what we call the gospel, the good news. You see, the good news isn't that you're a sinner. The good news is that Jesus Christ became sin for us so that, that we can be made a new creature in Christ. The good news is that Jesus Christ has dealt with sin. And by faith, the Bible tells us that if we, if we, if we come to him by faith, man, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, he will receive you. So if you're here this morning and you really understand, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been been ignoring God and you haven't really been listening, but you know that God is telling you right now is the day of salvation. You're like, Brian, I know I need to make this decision. I need to trust Jesus Christ. I need to I need to understand that he did the work for me, that his shed blood is enough. And I need to put my faith in that instead of trying to do it myself and taking that wolf everywhere with me. I, I just want it to be killed right now. If that's you this morning, you're like, Brian, I, I need to know how I need. To, I, I want to receive that gift. The Bible calls it a gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Where you are right now, just simply raise your hand. Say, Brian, I want to be I want to be saved. I want to be free from the bondage of sin and death. I want to be forgiven. I want to have God's grace. I want to know, like Stetson said, that my sins are wiped away. They're as far as the east is from the west because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you're here this, this morning and you're like, Brian, you are talking to me. That's who I am. I need I need to have that forgiveness. I need to have that grace. Just where you are right now, just simply raise your hand. I can't. I haven't seen any hands, so raise it up there high, and someone will come to you. Someone will come to you right now, and they will they will show you in the Bible how you can know that you have eternal life. Is there anyone at all? Anyone in in the in this uh, in this park? Maybe you're not even here for this this uh, occasion, but you stopped and you listened. Anyone at all? You say, Brian, you're talking to me. Stetson was talking to me. That's the Holy Spirit of God talking to you. Is there anybody at all? No takers. All right. How about how about you, Christian? Let's say we're all born again. Are we killing that? Are we killing that wolf? Do we realize it's already been dead, already mortified? Or are we feeding it? Man, let's not feed it. Right? You can smell that smoke coming across the, the park. It smells good. Our flesh is waking it up. So I want to eat. Well, we'll eat in a minute, but let's make sure we do the business that God wants us to have. This was a wonderful message. Can we be committed this morning to say, you know what? I am going to not feed the flesh. I'm not going to tame the flesh. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give place to the flesh, but I'm going to feed it. And con con uh, conversely, the Word of God. You know why we need church? 
We don't just need it in the park. We need it everywhere we are. We need the Lord Jesus Christ daily. Maybe you are not part of a local New Testament church. Maybe you have been feeding the flesh. Well, there's some things that we need to be committed to. That's number one, daily, being in God's word, not ignoring the truth, right? We talked about not ignoring sin. Let's not ignore the truth of God's word. Let's make sure we're in God's word. Maybe you need to be taught God's word. This is a church where we'll teach you the word of God. Maybe you need to get involved in our discipleship ministry. We'll sit down one-on-one with you and teach you the basic principles of God's word, salvation, eternal life, what that's all about, what God calls us to do in obedience. Are we doing what God is calling us to do? Are we doing what our flesh wants us to do? That's all a spiritual juxtaposition. It's a spiritual dynamic. It's called walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. And you know what? We all need help to walk in the spirit. I'm a pastor. Stetson's a missionary. You know what? We'll be the first ones to tell you we're not perfect either in our flesh, but because of Christ, God gives us the grace through his word, through his spirit, the Holy Ghost, when we get saved, but also through the power of the relationships that God gives us in the local New Testament church. You say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't need church. Well, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. That's not biblical. You need the church. You need the local New Testament church to grow, to to, to get encouragement. And so God is calling us this morning to be in God's perfect will, right? And so, hey, if you need some prayer, you need some help, uh, seek me out. Seek one of the altar workers that are walking around here. And let's stand together. And uh, here in just a moment, we're going we're gonna to close up. But before we do, I just want to have a word of prayer and, uh, and ask God to settle what we've heard in our hearts. Heavenly Father, as we stand before you uh, this morning and we think about what we've heard, Lord, I pray, God, that, that uh, Lord, your good hand would, would just continue to be upon us, that we would take the lessons that we've learned from Stetson's message today, that we would not uh, feed the flesh, we wouldn't tame the flesh, we wouldn't ignore the flesh, that, that hungry wolf. Lord, that we would bring that to you and remember what the Word of God says, that you've already taken care of that. You've nailed our sin to the cross. Lord, we're so thankful for that incredible news. Lord, I pray, God, that we would be reminded of that daily. Lord, that we would choose then to feed the Spirit of God, the the new man. Lord, that the Word of God would be our priority. Lord, that the local church would be our priority, that walking in the Spirit would be our priority. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to gather this morning in the park, and we're thankful for all the things that you are doing uh, in our lives. I pray, God, that if there's someone here looking for a local New Testament church, uh, Lord, that they would find a good Bible-believing local New Testament church, and if they don't have one, Lord, we'd love to have them come to ours at Heartland. Lord, I pray, God, if there's someone here looking to be discipled, Lord, that they would seek me out, they would grab somebody here that's a, a member of Heartland, and we can get them connected and directed and help them understand what it is to grow in Christ so that they can deal with that, 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 uh, that wolf that wants to resurrect daily. Oh, Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the finished work of Christ and what he's done on the cross to free us from the power of sin and death. And we look forward to walking in victory with you day by day, moment by moment, uh, Lord, until we do get caught up together in the air and we meet you very soon. Lord, help us to be a bright light in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation and shine brightly until you come. We thank you now and we praise you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, as We're going we're gonna to pray over the food here in just a moment. And I'm going to ask Doug, uh, missionary Doug Pearson, uh, missionary to Cambodia, to uh, come up here in just a moment. And, uh, and he's going to close us out and pray over the food, and he's going to share a little bit. Uh, and as he's coming, I just want to make a, a quick announcement. If you are here maybe for the first time at church in the park or uh, maybe your first time to, to come to a message like this, we want to give you a gift. 
Let me verify that. Lance, do we have gift bags? We have gift bags. So if you could just kind of raise your hand and wave it around or go back to that white tent. There's a guy back there at the ball cap. He's holding up some, he's got some bags in his hands. We want to give you a gift. Here at HBF, we assemble God's word. And so maybe you brought somebody. Uh, that's a, th- This is maybe the first time they've been to church in the park or what have you. See uh, Lance will get you connected and directed. But we want to give you a gift. And, uh, and inside of those bags is a Bible that we've assembled right here. Uh, that's yours. You can take it home. There's In the front of it is some more information, some Bible study information you can look at. Uh, and so we're glad that you came. You can go back over the notes if you took notes. You can also go to our website and check out the messages. You can open up that Bible. You can follow along. And we want you to be able to understand what God's saying to you. Stetson made a good point of the fact that God speak to, speaks to us from his word. So we put a high value on that. So that's your gift. Also, there's some other sundry things in there, some Tootsie Rolls and some candy and some other stuff like that. Uh, and uh, we're glad that you came, and we put, hope you enjoy what's in that. There's some all other information. Uh, one of the other things is there should be a guest card. So if you want us to make contact with you, maybe you've come, and you're like, hey, yeah, I'd like to know a little bit more. Obviously, you can go to our website. But if you want to know a little bit more, there's a, there's a box over here under this white tent. <clears throat> it's where the offering is going to be. For those of you that are giving back this morning, you want to give in the, the weekly offering. We're not going to pass a plate and all of that. You can go just over this white tent. They have an offering box. You can drop that in there. But if you're a guest with us, we're not asking for money. We just want to get to know you better. You can take that white guest card, write your name on there. Maybe Stetson said something that pricked your heart, and you're like, really, Brian, I need some more help. I'm not comfortable in a park setting to, you know, just stand up. But I want to know more about what you guys are talking about. I want to open up the Bible. I want to have a conversation. That's great. Just write your name on that card. Drop it in the box and sit back in that tent uh, right back there where Mark Lockwood's at. And uh, and uh, drop it in there. And we will get back with you this week. And we will arrange a way to get connected with you in a personal way. So we're so glad that you came this morning. And uh, here in just a moment, you're going to hear some more wonderful things from my brother, Doug Pearson, uh, fresh in, uh, fairly fresh, man, two weeks in a row. Yeah, a couple weeks. Uh, uh, Beth and Doug have been serving faithfully in Asia for, man, probably over a decade now, 15 years. Time goes fast. And I love Doug. He's going to share a few things. And then, Doug, when you're done, can you uh, pray over the food? Uh, I'm going to just say a couple things of uh, just to kind of direct us and connect us. After Doug is, is done praying, uh, you are free to get food, and we will start in the back, that long tent in the back. Uh, they will be serving us with the COVID restrictions and all of that, so uh, resist the, the temptation to grab your own buns and all that. They'll set it out for you. They'll get it going, and, and you'll go through that line starting on this end, work your way across. We also have drinks and what have you, so uh, please go back there. If you're a member and you want to give, go to that other white tent on the other side of the shaved ice stand. And you can drop your offerings there. So thank you very much. It's been great having you. And Doug's going to close us out. Okay, praise God. Isn't it good to have church in the park? You know, you are the church. The church is not the building. You are the church. Amen? You, you have church in your home. You have church in our building at 283rd Street. We have church. When you go to Walmart, you, ha- you bring the church to Walmart. You know, when you go to the streets... You bring the church to the streets, and today, praise God, we brought the church to the park. And we're, we're in the public right now. We want to thank God for a chance to represent Jesus Christ in the public sphere of Harrisonville. And all over Missouri, we're going to trust that Jesus Christ is exalted and represented all over this place. And we thank God that 
as we continue now and we go to get food, we're still having church. Church is not finished, all right? Church is not dismissed. We're going to have church together now because one of the most important parts about church happens after the message is finished and you get to fellowship with the believers and share your life with your friends in the church and today I want each of you to make a friend that you never made a friend before. I want you to talk to somebody that you never talked to before. Now's your chance because we're not going all out down to uh, Outback Steakhouse or Texas Roadhouse. We're going to have food right here, right? So let's talk to each other and share what God is doing in your life. And if you would please, some of you come up and talk to my wife, Bethany, and talk to me, talk to Brother Stetson. Because we want to share with you more of our stories of what God has been doing overseas when uh, my wife and I have been living in Cambodia. And we want to thank you for your prayers, that you've been praying for us. And we're representing our churches in India that we started. And we want to tell you the stories of what God is doing recently. But then we want to hear from you. Huh? We want to we shut our mouth and open our ears and we want to hear what is God doing in your life because you are just as important as any missionary. Everyone is important as a missionary before God. And so let's thank God that we're having church in the park. And let's pray and give thanks for this food that we're about to eat. And let's ask God for that great fellowship that we're going to have right now. And I want you, if you've never been to church on a Sunday with us, I want to invite you to come next Sunday. We meet at 283rd Street. All right. And so let's talk and fellowship and let's pray and thank God for the food. And let's bow our heads right now and pray. Dear Father God, we thank you for a missionary church that's out in the park today. We thank you for this food that we're about to eat. We thank you that we are taking the name of Jesus out into the public today. And we pray for all of Harrisonville. We pray for all of Cass County. We pray for Missouri that the name of Jesus would be named in every place in all of the Midwest of America, that you would raise up young people to be missionaries, that you would raise up single people, people who are not married yet, Lord, that you would provide for them the purpose of their life, the mission and purpose for their life. And for those of us who are married, God, I pray that you would heal our marriages and touch our relationships, give us friendships in the church. And for those of us who are feeling the temptation of our flesh, for those of us who know that we've been in the mouth of the wolf, that we've, we've been ever feeding that flesh, God, I pray right now as we realize that you took our flesh on the cross when you died, I pray that you would give us right now that spirit of surrender to the cross, that our flesh is dead, that, that our person before Christ, before we knew Christ, we are dead, and now we are a new person. So help us to walk by faith today that we are not our old life, but we are our new life in Jesus Christ, that we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet Christ lives in us. And now as we eat together and ask your blessing on this food, let us express the life of Jesus and the love of Jesus to each other as we make friendships in the church today. And we thank you for this.